and amen. All right, well, hopefully you got a, a uh, outline there, and uh, we'll go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 12, and uh, um, I think I already had you guys turn there, but I'm not there yet. So Luke chapter 12, we're looking at the parable of the rich fool. I, I started to change and do a Sunday school lesson, maybe towards Christmas, but I thought, you know, um, you know, Christmas sometimes gets overshadowed with materialism by some, uh, not all. Thankful for those that really understand what the true meaning of Christmas is. And certainly we're not against uh, uh, all of the, uh, we might just say, American traditions concerning Christmas. Uh, we're not uh, necessarily against all of that. Uh, but uh, God just led me to stick with the plan. And, and um, uh, as we look here at Christ's parable of the rich fool and some teaching on materialism, and so I hope that it'll be a blessing to you uh, and a great help uh, as well. And uh, so we'll just uh, jump right into this. You can kind of follow along there uh, on your uh, outline. And uh, I don't always follow it exactly, but, uh, uh, but uh, you can kind of keep up with what's going on. Uh, but there in the introduction, we notice there that it is true, the statement that is made, that, that uh, in today's world, a lot of people, and I think even believers can kind of fall into this category as well, that we tend to be more concerned about making it in this world than we do making it to heaven. Uh, we might even, uh, by application, or really not by application, we'll just make another statement, um, I think sometimes even Christians forget this, and, and sometimes we find ourselves more concerned with, with laying up treasure here on earth uh, looking for blessings in this earth and forgetting that we have uh, heavenly gifts and that we have a, a heaven to go to someday and, and uh, heavenly rewards as well. And even further still, uh, the sad part of this is, is there's a lot of parents, if you will, uh, when it comes to their children, they feel the same way. I mean, they're, they're consumed and, and uh, uh, their, their, their minds are consumed and their heart is toward, you know, I just want my children to... To, to make it in this world and to maybe have more than I did when I grew up and those types of things. And certainly uh, I understand that. There's, there's nothing wrong with wanting our children to have more than we had. Um, but again, you know, we tend to focus on that instead of their, their hearts being right with God and, and having a strong relationship with the Lord. And, and so uh, it, it is true. And, and again, I, th I think that uh, certainly lost people fall in that category, but, but I think in some ways uh, uh, safe people can as well. But we see there, letter B, the occasion for the parable. In other words, some things that led up to this parable. And we begin there in Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 13. And it says, the Bible says, And one of the company said unto him, So we have somebody talking to Jesus Christ who had been teaching, and um, he wasn't even really talking about uh, material things and as we'll see here, uh, he was actually teaching about the leaven of the Pharisees, and he kind of gets interrupted is the way I, that I see it. And it says, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, that is, Jesus said unto the man, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, now here's what we want to look at. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And uh, so this would lead on to this parable of the rich fool. Uh, and as I said, I've, it's always been my understanding and, and feeling that 
that the Lord, he's, he's teaching uh, in the previous verses there, uh, begin with chapter 12, you'll see that he's talking about the, the leaven of the Pharisees. But it's almost like, and, and, and as a teacher or preacher, sometimes I've seen this before, you'll be teaching and preaching on something, and, and you'll get this question way out in left field that has absolutely nothing to do with what you're talking about. <laughs> and that's kind of what happened here, you know. And, and so I almost envision that this, this guy, he's sitting under the teaching and preaching of Christ, but he hasn't heard a word he said because he's so focused on stuff. That, that's the picture that I have. He's just so boiling with, with, uh, with, with, with some problems here with his family and his inheritance, and we won't get into all that, but, but again, we see this attitude. And so he wasn't really concerned about spiritual problems. He wasn't concerned about spiritual issues uh, that, that he uh, no doubt had uh, and probably other spiritual issues than this, but he was just concerned about stuff. He was concerned about things. Uh, and so then uh, Christ gives us the parable of the rich fool, and we'll read it, and then we'll kind of go back over it. Uh, so verse 16, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? So we have here his fields just produce more than he can hold. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruit and my goods. And I will say, notice I and my a lot in these verses. And he says, uh, and I will say to my soul, uh, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, uh, and be merry. And uh, so, you know, well, we'll read verse 22. But God said unto him, verse 20, But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? And uh, so we, we have the parable here that, that God gives. And really that verse 20 is key, thou fool. I mean, this is the key really to, to a lot of things. We see here some very foolish behavior. And again, we go back to what we said in our introduction. When we're more concerned about making it in the world instead of making it to heaven, that's foolish behavior. I mean, because you're, you're taking something that is temporal and, and you're, you're forgetting that which is eternal. Uh, and, and that's certainly not uh, something we want to do. And so uh, by definition, we could say that a fool is someone uh, who does not give attention to eternity. I want to say that again because it's so important. A fool is someone who does not give attention to eternity. Um, and, and again, a lot of people live a, a temporary life with really no thought of a never-ending life that's coming. You know, they, they never, they, it just doesn't dawn on them. They never take that uh, into, um, uh, into their thoughts. Um, and certainly we realize that depending on what one does with Christ, um, you're, you know, everybody is going to have a never-ending ex, uh, existence at one time. In other words, the soul goes on to live forever whether you're saved or lost. And depending upon what one does with Christ, you'll, ever, you'll, you'll either have a never-ending existence in heaven or you're going to have a never-existing uh, existence in hell. And it's all based on what you do with Jesus Christ. Amen. That's so important uh, to understand. And so when we, when we look at it that way, certainly it is foolish to ignore the fact that the judgment of God, you know, it, it, it awaits everyone. You know, e even, you know, even saved people uh, have to stand in judgment. 
And so again, a lot of people are not living, you can kind of follow along there on your notes, a lot of people are not living, uh, again, with consideration of meeting God and stepping off into eternity, you know. And a lot of Christians, I think, we forget that as well. Uh, and so those that, that only live for now, they're really just like the rich fool. By the way, you don't have to be rich to covet. <laughs> a lot of times we think only rich people covet and only rich people have the wrong uh, attitude towards money. Well, there's a lot of poor people. They may not have anything, but they feel about money just like the rich people do. And so that, that's no good. So it's all about the attitude. And so those that only live for now, they're just like the rich fool, even if they don't have anything. And so we understand that possessions and, and wealth are not evil. Paul would tell Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.10 that the love of money, that's the root of evil. It's the love of money, not the money itself. It's neutral. I mean, money can't do good or bad. Um, but it's, it's our attitude towards that. Uh, and certainly it ain't just, you know, dollar bills. It's, it's towards possessions, towards wealth of any kind. That certainly can be sinful and evil. Um, and that's what Jesus tells us there in verse 15. Take heed and beware of covetousness. And uh, so it, it's wanting more. And uh, uh, there, you know, certainly there are those who, who have a great deal uh, uh, and are covetous, even though they have a great deal, they want a great deal more. But, but again, I, I see it the other way too. There's a lot of people that have very little. They don't have a whole lot, but they're still covetous. They want more. Um, and so again, it's not, just, you know, it's not just rich people that can have this, uh, uh, this foolish attitude. So we'll jump right into this. Number one, uh, we see there that worldly success can be spiritual failure. You know, and uh, I don't know, uh, I've got a message. I don't know if I ever preached it here or not, but uh, let's see if I can remember. And I think it's even this text that I may use. I can't remember the title of it now, but I think it's uh, when our privileges become hindrances. And I think I used, uh, I might have to dig that back out, but uh, I think I used Israel, the Jew, as, a, as an example. A lot of the privileges that God gave them ended up being their stumbling block. And I think we can do that as well. And uh, so letter A there, uh, a lot of people succeed in the world at the cost of neglecting God and the things of God. You know, in other words, we're, we're making it in the world, but we're not pleasing God with our life. Uh, we're, we're conquering the world, but we haven't been saved. Um, and, and now we need to balance these types of things. Now I think everybody understands how, you know, I'm pretty, you know, I think people ought to be at church on Sunday. Amen. You know, I, you know, there's just sometimes it's an inconvenience for us and we're traveling and so forth, but it's just, it's just what I do, amen? I don't apologize for that. But on the same time, we have to balance things out. In other words, I'm thankful that if I, heaven forbid, would fall over with a heart attack, that somebody could call 911, there's an operator on the other end that's working this morning, and, and policemen and firemen would come, okay? So, so you know, I, I'm not... You know, there's a balance to all these things. So I want you to understand about some things. But with that said, you know, as we often do, we do have a way of abusing and misusing our liberty in Christ a lot. <laughs> you know, and it, we find it easy to put God on the back burner out of convenience or expediency. You know, um, do, you know, and I know it's our culture and stuff, but, you know, uh, I, I'm glad that there's somebody on the other end of the 911 phone but do, and today's Christmas, so there probably isn't, but on a normal Sunday, do we really need restaurants and Walmart to be open on Sunday? 
We don't. Amen. You know, so that's what I'm talking about. Uh, and a lot of times we, we, we really need to be uh, careful with those types of things. And, and a lot of times we, we get away from that, that steadfastness in the things of God because why? Well, I have to work. You know, we, we hear that. And we'll talk. I'll give you an example of that here in just a moment. And so we see there, letter B, God is the true source of success and blessings, not the world. Again, we, if we're focused on the world giving me everything that I need, um, and then if I have time, I'll plug God in, then, then you have it all backwards, you see. See, if you, by the way, it's been my experience, when you make God the priority, these other things will be taken care of, amen? You don't have to bend the rules and, and uh, uh, get away from God to do it. And uh, so we see there in verse 16, we see that the ground brought forth plentifully. Now, who, who really owns the ground? Who really owns the ground? It's God's, amen, amen. Remember the story I told you, go get your own dirt, you know? It's all God's, right? Uh, that would include every grain of dust, amen? It all belongs uh, to God. So this tells us that, that it, it was God who allowed this ground to bring forth plentifully. You see, whatever it is that we have and that we're successful in, God is behind every bit of it. Without God, you wouldn't have it. Um, and, and again, it, it's sad that God gives us good health, he gives us the strength to work. He gives us the air we breathe. <laughs> he gives us the mental capacity to, to get things done. Um, yet, sometimes we find ourselves using God's blessings and provisions as a reason to be unfaithful. In other words, uh, uh, and, I'll, and I'll give you a, an example here, here in just a moment, but we need to understand that that whatever it is that, that we are blessed with, it's God that gives it to us. Now, he's talking to Israel here, and, and I just want to focus on one of the phrases in this verse, but you'll notice there in Deuteronomy 8.18, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God. Now, notice what it says, For it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. You know, now, he's talking to Israel, but, but I believe that's for anybody. Okay, um, and, and he's talking about some promises there uh, concerning Israel. But, but it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. Hey, listen, you know, if it wasn't for God, you, you wouldn't be able to do anything. And so not only is everything that we have belong to God, I think a lot of times we also forget that someday, sooner or later, he's going to get it all back. <laughs> You know, and, and so again, we, you know, we're, we're stewards uh, over these types of things. Um, and, and like I said, it's a shame that God has blessed us with certain things, certain abilities, but we apply those things to making it in the world instead of being faithful to God. And that's not a good trade. That's, that's not going to help you at all, okay? As a matter of fact, it's going to bring some heartache in your life. And so we see there, letter C, privileges become... Uh, failures when we focus on self. And I brought your attention to verses 17, 18, 19. We see where he says, I and my. He thought within himself, saying, What shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? He said, This will I do. I'll pour, pull down my barns. I'll bestow um, and build bigger ones. Verse 19, And I will say to my soul, you know, all these things, me, my, I, uh, those types of things. And so God had blessed, but instead of him giving God the glory, uh, instead of getting closer to God, what happened? Well, he got further from God. You know, uh, And that, that's, that's uh, very sad to see, and oftentimes that happens. 
And so we need to understand that our blessings are not really found in the possessions themselves, but blessings are found in our dependence upon God. And there's where we, you know, we have to understand things that that's really truly where our blessings, our peace and comfort is found. Um, possessions that drive you out of the will of God, they're not a blessing. They're a failure. Um, and, and, and I think that's a, a something that uh, a lot of people really miss and, and, and they, they misunderstand. And again, it's, it's very, uh, very unfortunate uh, to, to see that. You know, I was, uh, uh, you know, I want you to understand that not, it doesn't end this way every time, but there was a family uh, that uh, we had become acquaintances with, and, and uh, they were a broken family, and, and uh, it was, you know, it was just kind of a bad situation. Drugs, those types of things. And the, the mom of the family, she started coming to church, Kids started coming to church. This was over like a two-year period. Um, the husband started coming. I actually led him to the Lord. They were faithful to every service. And, and I mean, getting plugged in. And, and it was just wonderful to see. Uh, and God was blessing. And this went on for, you know, a year and a half or so. Just You're just seeing them grow and seeing them grow and seeing them grow. One Wednesday night, she raised her hand. She had a prayer request. And she said, pray for me, I'm going to start nursing classes. And my heart sunk. And you say, well, what's wrong with that, preacher? Well, because I know, I knew what was going to have to happen. And so pretty soon, uh, this, this took a long time, but pretty soon, she, they weren't able to come on Wednesday nights. He had to work, so if she wasn't there, the kids wouldn't be ready, so forth and so on because she had to start taking classes on Wednesday night. So, so that, that kind of dwindled. And then Sundays would roll around, and they quit, they were, sometimes they'd make it to Sunday school, sometimes they wouldn't. When they did come, they were upset, they were tired, mad, disheveled, you know, just wore out. Uh, and you know how it goes. And then pretty soon, just, they just kind of faded off. And as far as I know, she never took the job, but the last I heard... The kids were a mess. One of them decided she liked girls. Um, the marriage, I don't think, worked out. So on, so on, so on, so on. You know. Now, now here's what's tragic about that. Here was a family that was serving the Lord. Do you not think God was taking care of them? So what they did is they decided that they could take care of themselves better. And they did it at the expense of being faithful to the Lord and and they I mean it was a train wreck and, and it's just watching it unfold and, and it was a terrible terrible thing uh, and a very very sad thing indeed and, and unfortunately um, it's uh, it's very common these days and so it's something that we don't want to do we don't want to fall into that trap uh, that so many uh, people tend to do all right so number two let's jump into number two here and move along it's getting late uh, let's talk about the then for the lost. Uh, very, very uh, important. Notice what verse 20 says, But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. In other words, you're going to die. Then we see that word then. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? And I think a lot of times that, that as we uh, started off there on letter A, 
many seem more concerned about making it in the world than they do to heaven, this certainly falls into place because we're not thinking about the, the then when it comes. Uh, there's an awful cost of neglecting the soul when the then comes. Um, and uh, to live in this world uh, and to die without Christ, I mean, that's, I mean, you might make millions, billions of dollars and succeed in life, but certainly that's not a good thing. Notice what Matthew 16 there on your notes says, 24 through 26. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And so again, it's, uh, you know, Christ makes it very, very plain that there's an awful cost of neglecting the soul, particularly when it comes to salvation. And uh, we may at times, you know, envy the rich and go, wow, I wonder what it would be like to have all that kind of money. But, but, but history certainly has proven, and, and not, you know, there's a lot of godly rich people. I've, I've had the privilege of knowing some of these folks personally over the years. But, but history has proven, and really even by the mouths of those who have had much, that success for the most part has come at a huge price for them, spiritually, emotionally, families, those types of things. And, um, uh, and certainly, you know, even, you know, have suffered even in the now. But again, those that completely reject Christ for things, I mean, really they're the, the biggest time of suffering is going to be in the then. I mean, it's when they die without Christ. And so this ought to uh, do something for us, let her be there. Um, you know, the then for the lost ought to stir us as believers to action. First of all, we, we should recognize and, and live a life that doesn't glorify materialism. You know, um, there's nothing wrong with having things and having stuff and even having extra. But, uh, uh, we should be stirred in our hearts. In other words, souls spending eternity in hell, that ought to break our hearts. It ought to change our outlook on everything, uh, not just material things, but other things as well. I mean, the saddest thing that happened to a person is they die without Christ, right? I mean, I mean, you think of the awfulest disease anybody could have. It falls way short of the disease of being lost, you know, because we're talking about where they're going to spend eternity. And that that ought to cause uh, us to, to be stirred. It ought to make us uh, aware that there are souls that need to be saved. You know, am I, am I engaging the, the community? Am I going soul winning? Am I being a witness, a testimony? Am I handing out tracts at every possible uh, opportunity? These are types of things that uh, we need to think about. So the then for the lost ought to really put the, the believer uh, into uh, action. And then number three, uh, being rich toward God is true success. Uh, again, being rich toward God. Look at verse 21. We didn't read it in our uh, reading there, but we'll jump, jump to it and we'll read some verses afterwards if we got time. It says, So is he that layeth up treasure uh, for himself and is not rich toward God. So we see there that if you lay up treasure for yourself and you're not rich toward God, certainly that's, that's a problem. And so, uh, again, as we said a while ago, that that uh, uh, being rich toward God's true success, God will give us all we need. Do you believe that this morning? I mean, God, God said it, right? I mean, do, you know, do we as believers need to worry about that? 
I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Now, you know, again, if, if, we've, you know, if we're neglecting some things, certainly that would give cause. But if we're faithful, and I'm not talking about living a perfect life, but if we're faithful to God, He's promised to take care of us. And so God gives us all that we need, and He goes in. Uh, he carries on there in verse 22, and He said unto His disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, that ye sh what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. Uh, the life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. You know, God knows we have to have things to survive, but he says, I will, I will take care of those things. And he gives some examples. Verse 24, Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, um, uh, which neither uh, have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, uh, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? Uh, if ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Verse 27, Consider the lilies, how they grow, they toil not, they spent not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon all his glory was not arrayed uh, like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast in the oven, how much more will he clothe you? And you ought to underscore this in your Bible because here is our problem. O ye of little faith. You know, when we neglect God to take care of things that he's promised to take care of for us, it shows a lack of faith. I mean, that's all it can be, okay? Uh, and that's something that uh, we don't want to do. And really, again, we, we'll pick on believers a little bit. Uh, again, I think that's a great sin of a lot of believers today. Again, uh, neglecting God, the things of God, to take care of things that he's promised to provide for us uh, already. Uh, letter B there, believers ought to be givers and not hoarders. We go back up to verse 20 again. He says, uh, uh, it says there, thy soul shall be required of thee. Now notice what it says, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? In other words, those things that he hoarded weren't going to do him any good. Okay, uh, And there's a great spiritual lesson, a lot of different things we could talk about here. Uh, but uh, uh, we look there at verse 30, uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 30. So things, for all these things, do the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. There it is, guys. God says, you be faithful, I'll provide for you. Um, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Uh, sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. Uh, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And uh, so again, um, uh, when someone, you know, when somebody, we go back to the then, in other words, when we really understand the then, in other words, we're stepping off into eternity, we're going to stand before God someday, it really changes everything about us, and it changes what we do with our billfold, amen, or our purse, whatever the case may be, amen. Uh, by the way, men's carry billfolds, women wear purses, just got to make sure you make that clear today, okay. And uh, that would include fanny packs, okay? I hate those things, all right? So that is the most unmanly thing in the world is a fanny pack. So, 
All right, I got sidetracked there. All right. So, but uh, listen, my point is, is it changes everything uh, about, uh, about us, about what we do with our stuff, okay? Uh, and it's very, very important to understand. Uh, letter C, uh, success for God is putting more towards God and less in the barn. And uh, let's see, I don't think I have it on your notes. Uh, yeah, let's turn to 1 Timothy, and then we'll be done. We're, we're almost done. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6, uh, let's see, what verse is it? Uh, 17. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. It says, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. I mean, this ties in perfectly with this parable. I mean, this rich man thought he, hey, I got it made. I can kick back and, you know, retire, enjoy my retirement. And God says, the problem is, is you're meeting me today. <laughs> so what's all that going to do? What, what all, you know, what, what's all that stuff going to do you? How's it going to do you any good? And so we need to understand that uh, it's God who gives us all things. Um, and we're to enjoy these things, but we're not to make them the purpose of our lives. And, and you know, that's what we have the tendency to do sometimes. They, they become the purpose of our life. They become the main drive for why we're doing what we're doing. And may I say why we're not doing what we should be doing. Uh, and so a lot of things there to think about. And then finally, letter D, it's better to be rich in good works than to be rich with money. And you can have both. I, I know people that can have both. But if, if you're going to have one or the other, you want to be rich in good works. Amen. Look at verse 18 and 19, 1 Timothy 6. It says, uh, uh, it's carrying on the thought here, okay? Charge them to be rich in the world. Verse 18, that they do good, um, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, talking about sharing, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. And it's not talking about giving to being saved, but uh, uh, giving because we're saved. In other words, we're, we're living the life that we claim uh, uh, to be. We really, really do trust the Lord uh, in everything. So it's better to be rich in good works than to be rich with money. Amen? So that's what we learned uh, from this uh, neat little parable, uh, Christ's parable of the rich fool. So we got about five minutes or so. We'll take some time for some comments or questions or, or anything like that. Anybody?